chase your dreams, not your competition. That's something Rick Bowers, president of TTI Success Insights, shared during our interview on this week's podcast. Today, you'll get insight into the science of axiology and insight into how a busy executive wakes up eager. Can't wait to share it with you. Hit it, Michael. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi, my name is Susie Price of Priceless Professional Development, and you are listening to the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, where we cover everything related to helping you and the employees and the organizations you work in and support activate their greatness and wake up eager. I'm a professional facilitator, and I started my company, Priceless Professional Development. It's a training and development company. I started that in 2004, and we're experts in assessment science. That science is called Trimetrics. We help leaders and consultants use Trimetrics to assist in efforts to create a wake up eager workforce. It's used in the entire employee life cycle in hiring, onboarding, leadership development, conflict resolution, and team building. We also train and certify others to become experts in the science and focus on providing thought leadership around development, engagement, hiring, onboarding, development, conflict resolution, and team building through our books, our blog, and this podcast. Speaking of this podcast, the directory for all of our episodes can be found at wakeupeagerworkforce.com, wakeupeagerworkforce.com. And if you want to Find me and find out more about Priceless Professional Development. You'll go to pricelessprofessional.com. And if you want to send me a note, easy to send me a note at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E. The title for today's episode, it's episode number 59, is Putting People First with TTI Success Insights President Rick Bowers. We talk about axiology, we talk about Hartman, and we talk about changing the world for better, and we learn more about Rick. So I'm excited to share this with you for many reasons. One, because of TTI Success Insights, I mean, they they are my key business partner. I've worked with them since 2005, and because of them, I'm able to do the work that I do. Um, they've become a key part of my business. I trust their tools. I trust sharing them with you and all of our clients. And they become a network for me, a network of people, friends, colleagues that are also a part of this network. And it's just been important to me both professionally and personally. So it's exciting today to have the president of TTI Success Insights here to talk. And here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about why TTI Success Insights is committed to the science of axiology and sharing that with the world. That's the third science in the trimetrics assessment that we've been doing a little bit of a um, series on here in the podcast. So they could, as an organization, they've been around long enough and uh, have a worldwide presence. They could pick any science to work with, and they've chosen the science of axiology. So I ask them some questions about why have they done that and why do they stick with it? 
Rick and I also talk about how to use Hartman's science and in the Triometrics tool, it's the acumen, how to use that science to change and grow. And he shares updates about what's next for this assessment. So that is coming and it's exciting to hear, get a little window into that. And then as said earlier, we talk about his wake up eager life. So you'll get insights from somebody who's super busy. He's a super busy executive, a husband, father. He's going to share some of his favorite tips and books and some great inspiration. You can find the show notes for today's episode at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Rick, and that'll be lowercase. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about him and a little bit about TTI Success Insights. TTI is my main partner and has been since 2005. As I said, they have three decades of research. They have four patents. They have a Center for Applied Cognitive Research. They've been published in business journals like Harvard Business Review, International Association of HR Executives. And this year, they presented for the first time at the Association of Talent Development Conference, the National Conference. 30 million assessments have been completed worldwide. Our assessments come in 47 languages and 58 countries, and there are 4,000 consultants worldwide that are a part of TTI Success Insights Network. And a little bit about Rick. He's been with TTI Success Insights for 30 years. He's president and the resident visionary, so he's always looking forward. What's a cutting-edge solution that we can use to evolve the talent management industry? He oversees global distribution, marketing, creative teams, and leads training initiatives all over the world. Uh, He references that a little bit in our conversation, that he's been in more countries than he's been in the States. Uh, Here in the U.S., he's been in over 30 countries on six continents. He's also on the board of the Hartman Institute, which I am now a new board member of. Uh, His pastimes, he loves spending time with his wife and two sons. He loves the water, water skiing, wakeboarding, snowmobiling, go-karting, skiing, riding off-road, motorcycles. And we talk a little bit about automobiles since my husband is into race car driving. Uh, Rick and I have talked about that a little bit, and I'm hoping he'll come down and do Atlanta Motorsports Park with us sometime with his sons and his wife and It would be fun to have them down here. So uh, you're going to enjoy the interview, and I'm excited to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, Rick, welcome to the podcast. So glad you're here. Thanks, Susie. I'm excited to be on it and looking forward to uh, our conversation. Yeah, it's so good for you to take the time and happy Friday and all that good stuff. I'm going to jump into the first question and what we were talking about a bit today is Robert Hartman. And you've been in this business for... 30 plus years, I guess, right? Yes. Yes. And so what is interesting to me is I'd love to know how you became aware of Robert S. Hartman's work. And with all the things, you get a global picture, not only in the United States, but you're all over the world. When Hartman's work came to you and came to the organization, why did you decide that is a tool you're interested in learning more about and bringing to people like me? And then why have you continued to stay committed to it? There's so many options out there. Just would love to kind of get your thought process around how it landed with you and then why it landed and why you've stuck with it. Sure. Um, As we started the the company, Bill and and Dave Wonstetter started the company back in the 80s. I mean, they were really focused on using a disc assessment. And that talks about how a person prefers to do what they do. And, and over the years, as we added some things like motivation and we looked at some, some competencies and different things, and it really came to our attention 
I guess in the, the early 2000s that this is something that's so powerful, we need to add it to our, our bag of tools in terms of assessments that we provide. So we started digging in deeper and, and partnering with a few different people to kind of to go there. And it's just been amazing. We've had people that have been, been with us for, at that time, probably 10, 15 years some people that had been coaching with their clients for two or three years at a time, and they ran this new uh, axiology assessment on their client, and the information that came out and the questions that they were able to ask their client was just revelational and shocking to the client, and they made so much progress on that. It's just it's getting inside someone's head, understanding how they think, and people are so complex that you just can't look at a person just from disc or just from a couple assessments. You really have to have this complete picture of the individual and, and understand what's going on and, and where are their filters? What's going on in their brain? Are they seeing a situation from a people standpoint, from a tactical standpoint, or from a theoretical standpoint? How do they, how do they look at the world and how do they look at themselves? And that's really what the, the Hartman tools give us. And so from that early stage back in the early 2000s until today, it's progressed so much. We're excited to, to utilize it and it's tough to look and assess a person without looking at, at everything, including the, the axiology. Mm, you're so right. And there are times sometimes when a client will say, okay, we can only do these two tools. The client's wishes and budget and interests come first, but it's a terrible feeling as a consultant because really at the end of the day, you, I want that other science. I want the ac acumen part. I want the axiology because yeah. there it's like, it's like you're, once you have all that information, you can be so much more helpful and you can be so much more specific to how that person really thinks and makes decisions. So I, for one, am very thankful that you and the team at TTI have brought the tool in. I think I started with it. I started my business in 2004 and I think I attended something maybe 2005. Yeah. And it's how I've used it ever since. And it's, uh, it's crucial. So it, it, you find it, it's just so powerful. And I, I agree with you and see that too. When you use the tool, how have you used it? within the organization, talk a little bit about how it's used across the country, across the world. Maybe if you know of an example of a specific story where you've seen, seen either you personally or someone around you or a client, how their life's been impacted by Hartman's work and this axiology. Anything you'd like to share there, just a overview and a, and a story maybe. Uh, well, we use it with uh, every hire that we make internally, and, and over the last few years, we've we've done a lot of a lot of hiring. We've we've grown the organization quite a bit, and when we're bringing in chief marketing officers and and VP of people and different people at that level, you really have to truly understand how they think. Um, we want to know how they prefer what, to do what they do and why they do what they do and what are the competencies they bring. But there's that just what's going on inside of them from a thinking standpoint, whether it's their worldview or their internal view, that's just so critical. And, and I think that plays out whether it's us internally or something that someone in our network is doing with one of their clients, whether it's in the United States or around the world, it's critical to have that information to make an informed decision. The thing that's happening right now that's a little bit uh, interesting in our, in our U.S. economy is going so well and the unemployment is so low that organizations are just going back to the old method of just hiring a person so that they can hire a person because they're not getting enough people to choose from. 
but then they're having issues. And so mm-hmm. our our selection business is, is off a little bit this year, but the training and the development business is up because organizations have been just hiring people without assessments over the last 12 months because they needed a person. And now they're having problems within the organization because they didn't make that connection. They didn't make sure that the, the different data points for that individual that they hired were within the ranges of what the job benchmark calls for. So if you don't match the person to the job, you're going to have, you're going to have issues as you go forward. Mm. And it's the, actually, usually a lot of times the biggest issues are from the axiology piece because it's, you know, how do they think, how do they make decisions and it doesn't match up with the role. So that's the beauty of using it in the training and development is you can pinpoint where it is or is it just a style issue where I need to manage my style or is it really at the core what I call under the hood how they're thinking and so that makes yeah I think it, I think it goes it goes deep too because when you when you look at the information that comes out of the report um, on that dimensional balance page where you can kind of see do they have role clarity do they have a clear picture for the future are they is their bias from a positive standpoint or from a negative? Are they frustrated with something that they're doing? And that bias really is either making, if the bias is, is small, the clarity is, is really strong. If the bias is stronger, then that clouds your clarity. So what are those emotional things happening with the individual that's either allowing them to see clearly or allowing them or causing them to be a little bit clouded in their decision-making process? And we all want to have that ability to, to be our best and we want all of our employees to be making the right decisions, doing the right things. And frustration and emotional issues are, are the things that can really cloud that clarity. Mm, yes, that's great. How do you, when you think about you having learned it, learned the Hartman's work, how has it impacted your life? It's, I think it's made a big impact just because you, you start to look at things very differently. I mean, Hartman is really based on a, a model of three different areas that's both broken into internal about yourself and external in terms of your worldview. And, and that's really intrinsic, extrinsic, and systemic. And the systemic piece is kind of that basis to everything. Is what are the rules? What are the systems? What are the pieces that you have to kind of live by. And then as you move into the extrinsic world, it's more of the comparative thing. How does it all fit together? How is this compared to that? What's what's good? What's better? What's best? And then you get into that intrinsic realm. And that's really that place where real life happens and, and that emotional state and that feeling. And then how do I create a relationship from a business standpoint with this person or a personal standpoint or coaching my son's football team, how do you intrinsically touch a child to get them to do the things that you want them to do? So it just comes into every aspect of your life when you can really see it in those three different realms of structure versus how are we going to kind of compare and move forward in the practical realm versus how do we get to that true relational level? And you can, you can just look at it in every, every aspect of your life. Mm, yes. I find that I look at everything through the lens of it, of this is kind of what you're saying. Everything mm-hmm. I'm looking at, it, it, once you understand the dimensions and you see how they play out, I see how I'm coming to something. I can, I can sometimes, uh, if I know their graphs or even if I don't have an idea of where things are going and why they're going that way. I mean, it is, it is a mental mind map that is so powerful personally and professionally. 
What do you say to people, and I've heard people, other consultants, really struggle with getting their arms around feeling it the way you and I, I think, feel it. We've been yeah. exposed to it for a long time. I've, you know, debrief hundreds of, it feels like hundreds of thousands. I don't know if it's that many, <laughs> a lot, yeah. thousands and thousands of yeah. assessments and, you know, worked on myself through it. I mean, so like I, I breathe it. I'm, you know, and so I'm always trying to figure out what's the secret to when I'm helping human resource managers understand it and helping you. So I'm constantly trying to figure out, you know, that's another way I can say it. How can I help it gel? And I also hear sometimes consultants struggle with it. They want to use the tool, but they can't figure out how to bring it all together. That wasn't one of our planned questions, but I did want to say, sure. do you have any thoughts about that? I mean, I know you hear it from people. People, once they use it, uh, clients and consultants don't stop using it. But in the interim part, because they see the benefit, but in the interim, sometimes there's some challenge of it's, it's complicated or it's hard and you know any thoughts around that and what you say and do i think the biggest thing to remember is use the axiology at the level that you're comfortable with you can keep it super simple or you can get into great depths using the the same information and, and from a very simple standpoint it's is this more of a feeling situation a doing situation or a thinking situation I mean, it's that simple. Does this person yes. does this person deal with it from a people standpoint all the time? Do they do deal with it from a, a doing or a practical standpoint? Are they dealing with it from a theoretical or system standpoint? Where is their filter? And sometimes you'll get someone in an organization that always says, we need more training. We need to do this. We need to sell more. We need to make more calls. We need to do all of these things. And those are extrinsic solutions. But your real issue is from a, a people perspective and how the salesperson or the training team or the accounting department is feeling based on what's going on in the organization. Sometimes it's they need a different system in place. The system that they're using isn't working. So that's the very simple way just to think about this is that there's three main things. It's people, um, that feeling, and then there's the doing or the practical piece, and then there's the systems or the thinking piece. And so you can keep it that simple and just understand where the levels from an individual are. Yeah, that's great advice. That is great advice to just think of those categories mm -hmm. and not complicate like the science behind it is so much or try to go deep with that. I've started to do these uh, weekly wake up eager tips yeah. and I've been calling it mind, body, spirit. Mm -hmm. So that's another way to think of it. And next to each one, mind, if I'm giving a tip, it's uh, systemic. Yeah. You know, what's a structural to kind of just continually to integrate when I'm thinking of it, what's a system, you know, body is a doing thing. And then of course, spirit is a feeling or a, a people or area. So that's great. What is their filter and to simplify it? Yeah, absolutely. What do you think is the future of this work? You think, uh, do you see changes in the tools that uh, we're using? I use the trimetrics assessment with you. Mm -hmm. Is there, are there changes? Do you see Hartman's work evolving? You and I, I'm new on the board of the Hartman Institute. Yeah. What do you see down the road in the future? Is it going to change, grow, evolve, say the same? What are your, your predictions? I was going to answer yes until you said say the same, and I don't think anything's going to stay the same. I think there's so much opportunity. There's there's so much potential for for growth and expansion, and and really as as you're a new member to the board, but the board's vision for the Hartman Institute is to change the world for the better, and I think where we're starting to put more 
business-minded people into the Hartman Institute on the board. There's there's several of us over the last four or five years that have, that have joined the board that are really truly a business focus as opposed to academic focus. And that's really where I think the Hartman Institute can can be impactful to the world because we can help people understand how people are different from an axiological standpoint and, and purely understanding how people think and, and digging into that. So I think there's a lot of opportunity from that standpoint just to really get the word out. Um, there are several uh, what I call developers of the tools. Um, we have one called Trimetrics. There's there's several other on the marketplace and, and some of them are making some huge impacts in, in the world. I know uh, a couple conferences ago at the Hartman Conference, I talked to one guy there that was going through a million assessments a year working with like assisted living organizations, hiring people into those organizations. So, I mean, that's a huge impact that they're having on putting the right people in place and taking care of the people that are of that age group that need the assistance and, and putting the right people in place makes a huge impact on the entire family. And, and how does that family then go and impact other people throughout the world? So mm. you can see how this just goes it just kind of radiates throughout the world and things. And in terms of, uh, of how it's continuing to grow in terms of our tools, the Trimetrics and, and the Acumen Capacity Index, we're, uh, we're constantly learning, working with people like Ron Price, who coached with Dr. Dave, who was a student of Dr. Hartman's. And so those connections back to the original works, um, we're, we're constantly learning. And so we're, we're doing an update training, recertification training right before the Hartman Conference in October. So we're excited about that because we've got a lot of new things that we're going to kind of redo a little bit of the language, add a few more bells and whistles to our dimensional balance page. There's going to be a, a couple extra intensity features on some of the scales. So there's a lot of, lot of things that we can continue to add and just working with people that at the Institute that used to uh, be either students or uh, no new Dr. Hartman. It's understanding kind of the things that they have tucked away in their minds that they may have forgot about or people like Cliff Hurst who go to the Institute and dig into the archives at the at the library and, and Cliff takes time to scan documents and he's put some things together where there are going to be new books coming out and all of that. So I really think that the legacy of Hartman is just starting to get some traction and we're just starting to get enough people really doing some things that I think the next 10 plus years of, of how axiology will impact the world is, is going to be amazing. I'm so glad you said that because I feel that way too. Yeah. I, I actually was, you know, because the Institute's becoming more business focused. So when it was an opportunity to be considered for the board, I was like, okay, I'm ready now. This will be good. Cause if it's a business focus and you just, I can just feel like the legacy is, now going to become of age, you know, mm -hmm. where the, it's all going to be. Yes, I'm just so with you. And for our listeners, uh, Cliff Hurst, I uh, just interviewed him and there'll be an episode with him about his research and about looking at the Hartman archives. And then I've also got Vera Medford, Dr. Dave's wife. I also trained with Dr. Dave. So Vera is going to do a conversation with me about some of those early days with Hartman. And I plan to put on the um, Institute page, hartmaninstitute.org, a timeline of the Institute, 40 years 
Yeah. You know, there's all these people, all these wonderful people, theoretical people, business people, academics that have taken and kept it to where it is today. So just reading the timeline, uh, it's in one of the journals. So I'm going to take it out and create a visual and just show the history. This work touches people and there's more to be done to touch more. And I just changed the world for the better. So yeah. I love what you're saying, and I'm excited about the bells and whistles to the dimensional balance page graph. I want to know more. So that's exciting. So what else? We're going to jump into some. Let's learn more about Rick (laughs) and your illustrious career and and your thoughts and who you are. What else uh, would you like to share, if anything, about Hartman and the work uh, that TTI does around Hartman? Is there anything I haven't asked that you think we might want to mention or where are we covered it for now? I would think we covered most of it other than I've, I have trained thousands of people around the world. We've done axiology trainings on six continents around the world. So it's, it's something that's out there. Um, I want to continue that. We want to kind of have some bigger impacts in Europe and, and Asia and uh, all of the areas around the world that we can. So we're, we're continuing to try to just push that message out. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's interesting too, and I know you're aware of this sometimes if I'm working with organizational development professionals who've been around many years and we're bringing trimetrics in, sometimes they're like, how come I don't know about this? And that's just because, um, you know, there's more marketing reach that is happening now and it's kind of been a quiet, I don't, I don't like to word, use the word revolution, let's say quiet evolution. Mm-hmm. Is better, you know, so it's once people use it, they don't quit using it because of the benefit we've talked about, but it's not as known at this point. And Um, I think just the level of intensity that you can get to with the information that's there, it's it's a little tricky compared to something like DISC uh, that's been around for a long time as well, and probably the most well known assessment in the marketplace. But DISC is very friendly, very easy to use, where the axiology and the, and the HVP profile really kind of digs down into an individual and, and can be scary. And, and we really feel that you have to have another level of certification to utilize that tool. So it's 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 yes. tougher to spread the word as much as something like DISC compared to this yes. because you need you need to understand it to a level where you're doing good versus harm. Yes, that's a great point to make, and uh, we definitely want to use it for good. And I'm always differentiating with folks too. So when we use it for hiring, you know, they're not on board yet. So we've got this level of intensity or insight, you know, that is validated and researched and uh, meets all the EEOC and OFCCP guidelines. So it's valid to use for hiring. Um, but in hiring, you you make you know less than thirty percent, but you make very uh, specific. You look at where they match, where they don't match, you follow up. And then in coaching, now they're on board. It's the same level of intensity, but it's needed to be handled in a little bit different way. So in hiring, you can make kind of, you know, very set decisions. Okay, they're very low in this and that's a problem. And then when they're an employee or they're, you're using it for development, now it's like, okay, how do we grow these areas? So it kind of takes two different approaches, I believe, as well. When you're talking about intensity and sensitivity, any thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. It's, it, you have to just truly understand the, the power of it and how does that play out with the situation that you're in because there are a lot of different ways that you can use it and, and you don't want to 
overstep what you're capable of doing. I mean, when you really dig into his work, he he worked in uh, all different levels. Dr. Hartman understood it from a, a, a philosophical standpoint, a psychological standpoint, and, and got into uh, kind of that realm that's beyond business that uh, we can potentially see in the questionnaire still, but you don't want to bring that into a business environment just because of the the ways that it could impact the situation that we're not ready to do. Right, right. So there, there's a, makes sense. Yeah, sensitivity to it and the level of training is, is key mm-hmm. and understanding of it. So let's talk about who's most influenced you in your life and career. Who are they? What do they say and do? What was most useful? I think as I as I get older and, and look back on my life, it, it has to be my dad. He was he was part of the TTI business as well for a lot of years. Um, retired with it and has since passed about eight years ago. But he's he kind of just led by example. He was one of those guys that didn't always have to to yell at me or if I did something wrong, it was sometimes the look was the scariest part. Or, or <laughs> the eat, look. Yeah or, yeah. or my mom saying, do you want me to call your father? And I was like, no. So I mean, <laughs> there's just those kinds of things. And then as we talk about kind of people first and really trying to understand how people are critical to the organization. And I look back on, on how he helped sign up a bunch of people in our network or organize our conferences or just do whatever it was needed around the office and made sure everybody had what they need. He really exuded that people first kind of mentality before we really even knew what people first meant. And so that's just Mm. uh, something I think as I look back more and more every year, I was like, there's just so much that, that he influenced with me and with the organization and, and even hundreds and hundreds of people in our network from Mm. that standpoint. So it's, it's, it's sad that he's no longer with us, but uh, happy that all of the things that I learned from him when he was, when he was here. Yeah. He left a beautiful legacy. Yeah. You beautiful Rick. <laughs> and do you have brothers and sisters? Uh, yeah. I have uh, two sisters. Oh, awesome. So you're well-trained. They train you up. Yeah. They're, right? Yeah. They're both. Older than <laughs> they're older than you. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. And what's interesting is you think about Hartman's work, he, you know, like you say, you know it richer than I do, but what I also understand from what Dr. Medford used to teach and talk about, he was a lot of emphasis on, you know, the power of the intrinsic. We need to balance out our thinking, but this idea of putting people first, it ties into so much of what he shared, you know, when he was working with General Electric and different organizations back in the 1950s and 60s saying, hey, you know, you got good systems and you got good processes, but if you want to unleash the power of the people, you need to tune into them and give them attention. And, you know, it's just so interesting. And so here we are, your dad was living it. And now that is a key, key focus of, of uh, so much of everything we do. So it's a beautiful thing. What books, training programs, what kind of things have been instrumental to your own development? I always kind of fall back to the Simon Sinek stuff. Um, I mean, I was impacted greatly when I first read the Start With Why book. That was then probably 15 years, 10 years ago. I don't don't remember exactly when that came out, but just truly understanding kind of why you do what you do and then how you do what you do. And that leads to the what, where most people tend to start with that what. This is what I do. Well, why do you do it? And, And so that kind of impacted even when we wrote our purpose statement or our why statement for the organization is that we reveal human potential. 
And that's really that why, why we do what we do. How do we do it? We do it through creating self-awareness of the individual, how the individual works with other people and how they fit within the organization. And, and that just leads to, to hundreds of different what's, whether it's things we've talked about with selection or team building or leadership development. Mm-hmm. There's just so much of this, but it starts with revealing what's going on in terms of human potential. And I think it, that, that ties back to kind of what Hartman, what some of his driving forces were of to understand what is good and to kind of define that word good as something that's never never really been truly understood by all the philosophers over the years and, and he was able to define it. So those kinds of things, like some of the Bern Harnish stuff, uh, Bern Harnish's books, he was another one that uh, I like, I like some of the stuff that he's doing. There's the Four Disciplines of Execution. There's the kind of the newer stuff that's out with Rocket Fuel. So a lot of those kind of books are the things that have influenced me over the over the years and just kind of keep saying, how do we apply that to everyday business in, in terms of yep. how that helps people? Yep. Awesome. So when you think of the word successful, who's the first person that comes to mind? Jeff Bezos. Bezos. I always say his name incorrectly. Um, from Amazon. I think really it kind of solidified for me this this earlier this year. I was at a Conscious Capitalism annual event here in, in Arizona, and Vern, Vern Harnish was actually speaking. And he talked about the success there is because Jeff goes into the office every day asking himself, how can we make it easier for our customers to buy? And when you think about that simple concept of how do you make it easier for your customers to buy, it's revelations just in that because it's why not make it easier? Why would we want to make it more difficult for someone to buy? And then you take that and not necessarily about selling, but how do I make it easier to communicate with Joe? Or how do I make it easier to communicate with this or to sell that process or to to get my idea implemented within an organization. So I think there's just that mindset of why are we creating roadblocks? Why are we making obstacles? Why not just say, if we eliminate this step in the process, it gets that much easier for the end user. Mm, yes. So is it, is it caused you just to look at all your processes and say, okay, how do I make it easier? How do I make it easier? Yeah. Is that what you find yourself doing? Yeah. And it's amazing. It's like we implemented this policy X number of months ago or a year and a half ago. And it's like, why did we do that? Well, we had a reason, but all it did was make it more difficult for someone to, to acquire this tool or for, to get from point A to point B. It maybe yep. saves something here or there for us, but it made it more difficult for the client. Yeah. Yeah. You can see evidence of that in organizations, large and small all yeah. the time. Policies get put in place. It makes sense at the time. And then, you're saying, well, why are we still doing that? And we do that in our lives too. It's like, well, I always go to dinner with this person. What, you know, mm-hmm. Do you want to continue to do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Why don't we ask, well, is this really the best use of my time and resources at this point? Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's interesting. What That's are those great. things in your daily routine that yeah. you can eliminate and it would make your daily flow that much smoother? I mean, start yeah. with yourself and, and work your way all the way to the customer or start with the yes. customer and work your way back to yourself. But you're continually kind of keeping that stay. I guess what I would call it is maybe staying present, you know, in the business, staying present in the, you know, in your daily schedule. Uh, a great book I read this year that's really been haunting me because I keep asking, using the questions, haunting me in a good way is essentialism. Okay. 
where he's like talking about, you know, is this the best use of my time and resources right now? If I had not already invested in this, would I continue to do so? And if, if I didn't invest in this, whatever it is, what else could I do with that time and that money? You know, so it's just so interesting because we do get on a roll. We're busy personally, professionally. So those are good questions. I put them in my notebook and every time I switch a notebook, you know, I, I have to write those questions down again. It's like, oh yeah, I've fallen off the wagon again. Let me get back on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's relentless. So that's great. That is so great. That's great for the business and great personally too. So we talk a lot here at Priceless around waking up eager. So wake up, this is the wake up eager workforce podcast. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a personal and professional bent there. And uh, that's uh, related to me because I like all that stuff. And so let's talk about for you, what are your tips? And so I'm doing those tips now too, weekly tips, your mind, body, and spirit. Uh, so mental clarity, physical health and well-being, and then, you know, family and personal connections. What are some of the things that you do that regularly are doing right now that help you have more wake up eager days? I think it's it, it's about a routine for me. I mean, trying to, especially during the week, the weekends are a little bit different, but during the week, it's it's getting to bed at that somewhat early time. I like to kind of be in, in bed and asleep by nine or nine thirty, and then typically the the alarm goes off at uh, around five, but I'm usually awake before the alarm goes off and just kind of get up and into some of the morning routines and, and just kind of a clean, clean living. I'm really into just starting off the day with a protein shake to kind of get yourself moving with that protein for the brain and, and some very low carb type protein and, and things like that. So just moving through the morning uh, with that. And then if you do run into something where you had a, a bad experience driving or you get into a, a bad email right off the bat, you just kind of have to say, okay, how do I clear my glass? How do I get myself back to that that mental clarity that I need to kind of move through the morning and, and prioritize your day so that you don't have those bumps or those things that we talked about that kind of throw you off your game and, and put you in a, a bad mental state. And so it's just kind of trying to keep that flow going of here's what we're going to try to accomplish today and and this is what I'm going to do. So how do you clear your glass? You have a lot of, uh, I think all executives have many moving parts, but I I think of your role as even more moving parts because not only do you have, you know, a team in Scottsdale and dispersed throughout the country that work for TTI, you have, I don't know how many consultants are there. 3,000, 2,000, 4,000? I don't know. How many consultants? We got about 2,000 in the U.S. and Canada, and then probably about that many in the rest of the world, too. So we got about 4,000 moving parts, yeah. Yeah, so you got all consultants who all have opinions about what you should or should not do. (laughs) And then you have, you know, then their clients and situations come up. It's just, so I just think about how do you stay clear? Because when I experience you, you are, I don't see you all the time or, you know, every month or anything like that. But when I do, I do find you very clear and open to listening, but have a very set idea of what's going to happen and what's not going to happen. How do you, how do you do that? How do you clear your glass is the word you use. What, what are some tips? Because you do it well. Sometimes it's just about taking a, a step back and, and, and just visualizing some of the better times that you've had, um, thinking about family, thinking about 
something that, that Ashley and I have done or something just to kind of get that clear. Sometimes if Ashley's around my wife, um, it's just that touch on your hand or on your shoulder or something like that that kind of just will send the calming down through. It's not always that way. I, we had a meeting on, on Tuesday of this week that I had to let go a little bit and, and it almost cleared my glass by just getting everything out that I needed to say. And mm. these are some frustrations that I had. So I got it all out and and you and I talked on Monday and I wasn't feeling very well. Tuesday, we had this really uh, intense meeting that ended very well, but I was able to get a lot out and I've, I've felt better ever since. So that mental care. Oh, that's good. Kind of, yep. Sometimes you just have to get it out and, and, and let people know what you're feeling. And so that happens. Um, another thing is I have two monitors on my desk and on one monitor, my background is uh, a ski slope in Austria that I had a great time, and on the on the oh. in California. So you you can oh, there we go. Bring yep. everything down and just visualize those great times that you've had in, in certain places around the world too. So those those are just some tips that that work for me. Yes, yes. There's so much power in that, and this you know I call it tune in time, but it's it's having those touch points and to not minimize those. And the more you do it, and the more you go to those touch points, the more they kind of you know to use a woo woo word ground you. So then you can kind of shake clear and go, okay, wait a minute, where do I really stand within this? You know, that's awesome. Anything else on wake up eager tips? I think there's something to making sure that you get two or three physical workouts throughout the the week as well. I mean, I'll I'll get busy where it's like, I just can't get to the gym this week. And you know, by the end of the week, you're just exhausted where there's those weeks where you hit it Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday or something like that. And then you still have energy on Friday. So different behavioral styles, de-stress different ways. But as myself with a a pretty high D and I, I, I need that physical kind of a workout to kind of relax every once in a while too. And it just kind of relieves the stress in your body. So that helps for sure. And and when I don't get to the gym, then I can start to feel like my back starts to hurt a little bit and this and that and the other thing. So you you kind of know what those routines are for yourself. And Mm -hmm. when you find something that works, you just got to kind of make time to to put it in your daily activities just so that you you don't get stuck in a rut because we get stuck in our businesses so much that we don't work on our business and the same thing you need to work on yourself as much as as much as you can just to kind of keep that battery charged yeah we are the vehicle that's showing up to do that work right (laughs) what's your favorite workout so you go to the gym and it feels like a great workout is it cardio is it weightlifting is it a combo i'm just curious as I was much younger, it was always heavy weights and, and, and a lot of just that, and I hated cardio, but uh, as, as I get older and into my 50s now, I, I kind of break it up about half and half and, and truly enjoy the cardio now. And You do? I, Which I one's do, your favorite? What do you do? Actually, just a treadmill, and, and I found a uh-huh. treadmill at the gym that has uh, a video screen, and you can choose from the mountains to the beach and all different kind of things, and then it, it goes up and down with the terrain on the screen in front of you, so it kind of keeps your interest. Oh, that's I'm fun, yeah. I'm, I'm doing something, so I like those. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. So here's some more fun get-to-know-you questions. Tell us your favorite guilty pleasure TV show. Uh, over the last few years, we've really got into the uh, Chicago PD. It's, it's a, kind of that cop show of, of mystery of, of who did it and that kind of stuff. And, and there were spinoffs from that of Chicago Fire and Chicago Med. So you kind of almost 
get to know these people. I've never been to Chicago, actually, but I, I love yeah. the show and, and those kinds of things. I've, I've been to more more countries around the world than I have states in the United States. <laughs> that's not that many people can say that. Yeah. Hey, so that's good to know. I love cop shows or any kind of mystery thing, and I can't believe I've not tapped into that. So that's now on my list. Yeah. It's, Whole it's series. Fun you like all the people? Yeah, the people are fun, and sometimes they do a because they're all on Wednesday nights, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, and yeah, sometimes they'll do a a three-hour show where they just all bleed together because they're interacting all the time. Like the fire department always takes people to the Chicago Med for when they're injured and that kind of stuff. So you see the different characters intertwining between the the three different shows. So it's it's fun to see that. And Chicago PD is on reruns on like three different channels. So you can always find it on TV. Catch up. Yeah. 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 Okay. On my list. I always, any kind of, it, it's a good, to me, it's a good escapism for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's very fulfilling. Okay. What's your favorite possession? I'm a car guy. I've always, I've always liked cars. I've, I've had a lot of them. And so it's, it drives my wife crazy because it's like every year or so I'm ready for a new one, but try to, I try to stretch it out farther than that. But I, I just, I've always been a car person ever since I was a, a kid and you and I have had these conversations too. And I'm still going to take you up on coming to Atlanta and, and going out and racing some cars with your husband. Yes, 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 yes. It'll be fun. So what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite like that you had growing up that you just, Maybe you even have again today, but did you have a favorite one or? My first car was a, was a Camaro. And so that I had uh, a lot of fun in that over the years. And, and my oldest son had a, we got him a Camaro for his first car and, and he's just turned 21 and was able to, to buy his second one. And so he traded the one in that we bought him and now he's, he's got his own. And it's funny to see how he drove the one that we bought him versus the one that he's paying for how he drives this one. And so. Yay. Good for him. He was able to buy his own vehicle and he's taking good care of it. But it is interesting how that changes. Is there another car? Your first car was a Camaro. Is there one that's your favorite or Uh, all time so far? I wanted for a long time. I've wanted a, uh, a Porsche Cayenne and I just got one of those this year in March. So I'm pretty excited to have one of those and, and I think that that next car that's there on the list is a is an Audi R8 Spider, and so that's oh. kind of the next goal for down the road. Fun, fun, fun! All right, what advice would you give your 25 year old self? I've had this question before on other podcasts, and it's kind of simple. I think is that I, as a younger self, I was a little more defensive and and not as accountable, and so that personal accountability and and don't be defensive, let's learn from a mistake, kind of a, a mentality. I think the earlier you learn that in your, your professional career, the more successful that you're gonna be. And I think it came from a 360 that we had done. I think it was actually a Brian Tracy program back maybe the late 90s that I, I figured that out. And it came from the 360 of my peers saying, yes, you are, and at the time it was a blind spot for me. And so mm. I've kind of focused on that over the years and, and we've kind of even put that into our rules, rules of engagement within the organization is every mistake is an opportunity to learn. So how do you learn from something like that versus trying to defend and deny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Great. Not only have you seen, grown that within yourself, you're now making a part of the organization. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. 
If you could have one billboard anywhere, what would it be? What would it say? I thought about this one, and, and, and as I was talking to Candace about this, our VP of operations, we were talking about these questions, and one of my favorite sayings is slow down to go faster. So she thought that would be the, the billboard, and I said, no, I don't think it is. I think it's, it's actually a billboard within my bathroom in my morning routine or something like that that says, chase your dreams, not the competition. Oh, yeah. Say more about that, why that speaks to you. I think it's revelational. It's again, I've used that word a lot today and I, I don't know why I've used it because it doesn't seem like it's a normal word for me, but it, it, it's kind of opened my eyes to if you're always worried about what the competition's doing, then you're always in a one step behind mode versus if you just go with what you know, this has been my dream. This is what I know we can do with the organization and let's do it our way versus trying to comply with what the competition is doing. It's more fun. I mean, because mm. you're doing what you want to do versus doing what someone else is doing and you're trying to figure out why they're doing it and how we can do what they did. So there's a fun aspect to that. And if, if you really believe in what you believe in and, and go for it, that's where I think the success comes from. Yeah. Well, you have success anyway because you're having fun you feel yeah. good you know you're following your dreams isn't that what everybody talks about and you know it seems to me like as you were saying that i wrote down the word prosperity so to me that it's like a prosperity mindset when you say i'm chasing my dreams i'm going to spend all my energy on where we're going and not where everybody else is which seems more I don't know, prosperous, or it seems more, that's the only word that keeps coming to mind. Pros yeah, yeah, productive, I mean, prosperous, yeah. energizing. It's like what everybody talks about, you know, but who's living it, you know? Yeah. And you're, you're saying, okay, this is how I want to live. I don't want to, certainly we're going to pay attention to what the competition is doing and know in the back of our head, but we're not going to live there. We're living in the dream. Right. Yeah. And that inspires people. If you talk about touching people and intrinsically, moving people that's inspiring so. and i think another thing that's really exciting about that whole piece is that when you see the competition do the same things that you've already done so yes. that's even a that's icing on the cake because not only are you not chasing the competition the competition's chasing you chasing you yeah, yeah. that's even better yeah. yes and it's like almost like if you're using that as the baseline it's kind of like our benchmarks you don't want to use your high performers as the baseline you want to use where are you going where's yeah. the position going what's what is high performance where should it be in the future yep. you know so that's really cool i love that mm -hmm. chase your dreams not your competition is there a particular place you would put that Probably on the bathroom mirror. I know it's not a billboard, but it's something but just hey, to remind, you, you remind yourself yeah. that every day. Yeah. You could put lights around yeah. it. I think it'd be good to put <laughs> it up on the wall in the office, too, for everybody. To oh, see. yeah. Oh, I like that. That sounds like a new project. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you've been so gracious with your time and your sharing, and I certainly appreciate it. One last question is um, a bit of advice or wisdom that you'd share with leaders and professionals everywhere about what we've talked about today, about life. We've talked about you and some of the things that you found successful and meaningful. And we've talked about Hartman's work and the value it brings. What would you like to close with? I think you've heard me say this before too, probably in a training scenario, is that you can't fill an intrinsic hole with extrinsic or systemic dirt. Think about that. If it's an intrinsic hole that we've talked about earlier, where intrinsic is the people piece, the relationship piece, the people first, 
piece within an organization. And if you're trying to fill this hole, extrinsic or systemic things, which are systems and comparative and that do more of this kind of stuff, it doesn't matter how much of that you throw in that hole, you'll never fill it up. And so that's just a simple thing to think about is that you have to understand the problem before you can solve it. And you can't mm. fill an intrinsic hole with extrinsic dirt. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that sounds like an Einstein thing where he says you can't solve the problem at the level which it was created, right? So yeah. you can't solve a problem if you don't understand it. Right. So Rick Bowers and Einstein connected. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. What's the best way for people to connect with you or reach out to TTI? What would you say? The website's probably the best place to start. It's uh, TTISuccessinsights.com or TTISI.com. Either one will get you there. And you're on LinkedIn. If somebody wanted to connect with you there, they could, right? Absolutely. LinkedIn, for sure. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rick. Okay. Have a great, uh, great weekend. So I hope you enjoyed the interview and I hope you can see why TTI Success Insight has been my partner all these years. I was thinking back about, uh, gosh, starting with them, how intrigued I was with the science and how it's just gone deeper and richer and wider and how much of my business relies upon the work that TTI Success Insights does, the credibility, the validity, the research, and what a network it provides for me as a consultant. You know, I work in my home office. I have people who are connected with me on our website. You'll see people that we partner with, strategic partners in regard to working. Um, and then I have our client services manager that helps me. She's in Scottsdale as well. So I guess I say all that I'm dispersed. I work alone, but I never feel like I'm working alone. And a key part of that is through actually being able to call TTI Success Insights when I need help. I know all the people there in the office are most and can get what I need when I need it. And um, in addition to that, all of the colleagues who also use these tools, we share and support each other. So it's just been awesome for me the past 16 years to be a part of this network. And it's awesome to have him on this episode today and to be able to share with you more insights about the science and leadership and being a leader. I want to mention that he talked about the dimensional balance page graph, that that is going to be updated and if you don't know what that is, it is the graph that is used, each graph, if you do look at a DISC assessment, you see a graph. If you look at a wor workplace motivators assessment, you see graphs. Well, the dimensional balance page graph measures the six dimensions in Hartman's science. And it tells you how clear someone is about a topic. And it also tells you, you know, how they're feeling and, and what their attitude is around that. So when Rick was talking about what's their filter, uh, he's referencing a lot of that as well as all the other items that are measured in our version of axiology at TTI, which is the acumen assessment. So I will put sh uh, notes in the show notes with a link to some Trimetrics podcasts in case you're curious about the dimensional balance page graph, what it is. That way you can kind of learn a little bit more about Trimetrics. So if you are interested in that, look for the show notes. It's at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Rick. You can also get more information about training or development or certification uh, in any of these tools. That's something that we specialize in. 
And you can go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash get certified, all one word, lowercase. And last but not least, I want to tell you and remind you of the Hartman Conference. It is going to be October the 23rd and 24th in Salt Lake City. And we'll have a link to it in the show notes. You can also go to hartmaninstitute.org and you will see information about what we're doing there. And our vision is to change the world for better. And the conference will be full of interesting insights. It'll be uh, some theoretical discussion and practical discussion, and you can get more information there at uh, hartmaninstitute.org. Thank you so much for tuning in and check out our other episodes at wakeupeagerworkforce.com. And I look forward to catching you on the next podcast. Take care. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 